This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Come with us. Stand with us. And let's fight this beast together. They are going to try and rig it, but they can't do it if all of us show up. Welcome to Politicology. I'm Ron Steslow. And this conversation has been in the works for nearly a year. In part one, I brought you the first conversation I had with Robert Chapman last summer. We talked about his story, why he decided to run for office, the history of his home country of Zimbabwe, and the struggle for democracy reform there. And we weren't able to publish that episode right away because of concerns around security for Robert and his team and the risk of sabotage by the ruling party in Zimbabwe. But since it had been nine months, we knew there was a lot more information and a lot of new ground to cover. So I decided to sit down with Robert for a second conversation about how the landscape has changed, his goals for rebuilding the economy and infrastructure in Zimbabwe, why this is in America's interest, the growing Chinese influence in Africa, and the challenges his campaign has faced, and ultimately his plan to win. Both of these episodes are coming out today, but these conversations took place nine months apart. So if you haven't listened to part one, I'd strongly encourage you to go back and listen to that first, because it'll help with context for the conversation we're about to have. Robert, welcome back. And wow, uh, I, I imagine it's been a wild ride between now and then. And thank you for having me, Ron. Yes, it has been. Uh, you know, when we last spoke, uh, it seemed things was easy, simple, and uh, which we knew they weren't going to be. But, uh, you know, the process hadn't really come out in the open. And now that it is in the open and, and um, we are making traction on the ground, uh, it's, it, it, the conversation is going to be very different today. Than the- <laughs> yeah, we should probably explain to people uh, that we, we have had to wait on releasing this conversation that we had a year ago, and and in fact, a lot of it we're not even going to use uh, because of security concerns for you, for the campaign, because of the, uh, the the fraught conditions in Zimbabwe. Do you want to explain a little bit about that? Uh, essentially, why we're having a conversation a year later now about your bid for the presidency? Yeah. So, you know, while there is the uh, sort of guise of democracy, uh, it really doesn't exist. And, in, you know, if we look at pre- in the previous elections, uh, probably say the last four or five or six and, and several prior when real opposition started stepping in, uh, violence has, has been a tool that's been used. And, and um, 
even to the point in some cases where death is experienced with uh, folks in the opposition. Right now, as you and I are speaking, which I don't believe was uh, the case at the time, might have been, um, there's a member of parliament in the opposition, Job Sakala, who's been incarcerated in maximum security prison in the country. And he was a lawyer representing a victim of violence, which may have been politically motivated, uh, but he has not received, there's no bail. The hearings keep getting get, uh, keep getting pushed. And he's been there almost a year now uh, without any trial. And he's a member of parliament in the opposition. So waiting, you know, at the time, um, because I had not officially announced yet in the conversation, uh, would have was the great thing to do. The beauty of that uh, for us now is uh, I'm out in the open um, talking about real issues and where we stand and, and not shying behind it. Because if we want the change we want to see in the country, we have to be very bold about it yeah. and, and take action. So I'm glad that uh, you are patient with me. And uh, here we are now. We can have the real conversation. Yes. Uh, well, at the time we were talking about uh, your plan to launch the campaign and how difficult it was going to be. Um, uh, the, the, the security concerns that you had. Do you want to walk us through what that has been like and sort of bring us up to the present moment um, from, from deciding to launch a presidential campaign in Zimbabwe and then the, just the logistics of trying to do that, um, getting in and out of the country, announcing, becoming a candidate in, in Zimbabwe? How, how has that been? Uh, it's been interesting, to be honest with you. Uh, initially getting started, we had some awesome people on the ground. And that's always the key, right? When you're building an organization, you want to have the right people in the organization, same belief system. They understand the challenges. In Zimbabwe, for example, uh, being able to plan that was very tricky to try and do that quietly. We're not a big country and there's sort of like two degrees of separation. So trying to really keep that uh, uh, sort of underground while you're putting in the right structure, the right, f- right foundation without really infiltration or, um, or getting, the, you know, having sabotage mm-hmm. in the process is very difficult, but we did get that done. And December 10, uh, I ma- had a press conference where I officially came out in the country and said, Hey, listen, uh, I'm running f- uh, for president and here's the reason why. Now we knew, and I've uh, shared this on several interviews in the country. We knew that uh, the the considered was considered the main opposition or the popular opposition um, in the country was going to be our first uh, sort of battle because the level of toxicity that they have, that they believe that the only ones that can be the opposition in the country. And who's they? We should remind people. Yeah, the, uh, the they're known as a CCC, okay. uh, the organization CCC, so extremely toxic on social media mm-hmm. uh, and so forth. So we knew that that was going to be the first the first battle. We didn't think it would take, that they would stay in this long. The fight almost looked like they're fighting me more than fighting the ruling party. So if you remember, I said one of the ways to rig an election was having a fake opposition, an opposition that just continually remains there and wants to keep that position. So you can't say you're an alternative for democracy if you are saying we're the only ones that can contest in, in an election. So they really don't go together. And so that was our first challenge we came in. So the ruling party, uh, ZANOPF, just said, you know what, let's leave the opposition and let them take each other out. So we just chose not to engage. You know, so they their attacks would come, and we just chose not to engage. Yeah. Uh, the good thing about Twitter is there's a block and mute button, <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got to use that a lot of uh, folks in other opposition uh, that were sort of coming out, and we sort of saw this, and they're facing persecution too. So I don't want to ignore yeah, that sure. because they are opposition, and they've really been around for quite some time, and do create a level of uh, threat to the ruling party. So they have faced it. 
the MP I just talked about, member of parliament, Jabs Kala, is part of that organization and he's incarcerated. Mm. So we sympathize and empathize with them, but it was shocking to see the level of toxicity they had towards Mm. opposition that seemed greater than what they had towards the ruling party. More competition was not welcome. It was not welcome. So let's back up here for just a minute. And uh, since we're, since we're, um, Rehaving this conversation, I want to have you explain to people why you're running. What did you say at the press conference, for example? Give us the give us the the scaffolding for the campaign, uh, and what your vision for Zimbabwe is. That's great, thank you, and it's been well received. You know, we at the at the at the launch of the campaign at that press conference, we really shared, you know, sort of, you know, who was I, who are we as the Democratic Union of Zimbabwe, and why do we exist. And so I'll share with you the last two, uh, which is, you know, the Democrat Union in Zimbabwe is a centric, center-leaning uh, uh, organization. So we have extreme polar, polarized politics, extreme left, extreme right. But we found through a lot of data that's been done uh, uh, on the continent and in Zimbabwe, most of the people found themselves in the middle. They were not very happy with the toxicity on both ends of the spectrum. So we said, no, we want to be centric. There are things on the left that we agree with. There are things on the right that we agree with. But somewhere in the middle, which is the 80%, we can agree on, we want better schools. We want better healthcare system. We want our military and police taken care of. We want job salaries. We want to have a banking system that works and make sure that wealth is protected. We want a justice system that is strong and no one's above the law. So whether wherever you yeah. are, politically, racially, religiously, whatever the case may be, we can probably agree on 80% of the items. So we focused on the three pillars that we have, prosperity, justice, and modernization. And that's what we shared at the press conference. And it was welcomed extremely well. What happens, I think, and I think we even see it here in America, if we were to pull people into a room and talk about the most basic fundamentals of the quality of life we would like to have and leave for uh, the next generation, I bet we would agree on 80% of what was what, what we wanted. Then there's 10% we'll never see eye to eye on. And it's that's okay. It's okay. And then there's 10% we'll probably actually. Go, yes. Yeah. And there's 10% we're probably going to negotiate. Yeah. The problems we spent so much time at the 10% we'll never see eye to eye on that we missed the 80% that makes sense. Yeah. So that's where we brought in. So prosperity is personal. Yeah. The Zimbabwean people have really suffered. You know, a tremendous amount of looting, even to the point of um, money. Just you wake up one morning and, you know, as it took place a, a few years ago, they just changed the currency. Yeah. You wake up one morning, boom, currencies change. They go Describe pensions. just how, how, how wild the currency valuation can be in, <laughs> in Zimbabwe for people who don't understand because, you know, we, we have currency fluctuations in the U.S. You know, inflation is, as we have been talking about, soaring recently. Explain the situation with the Zimbabwean currency. Zimbabwean currencies uh, sort of goes round and round in circles. So we've been here before, unfortunately. Uh, the most famous one is the, you know, the $10 trillion bill, uh, which I have as a bookmarker to remind me <laughs> of the financial mistakes of 2008. So uh, hyperinflation, I believe we rank number one right now in the world. In, in inflation, that's not just currency inflation, is economic inflation, but that's also even food inflation. We're the highest in the world and we've never had a war. You know, so countries like Afghanistan and, you know, and Syria and so forth have a better currency rating than we do, which is crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, bad monetary policy, but really focuses on the justice part where there is a rampant uh, corruption in the country, just rampant corruption in the country that uh, no one trusts us anymore. Foreign direct investment doesn't come. Companies do leave. So right now we have the what's considered the RTGS currency, which is Zimbabwean currency, and the United States U.S. dollar that's also floating in the country, being used in the country. And so 
that causes problems for uh, transactions. Uh, and then we also have economic sanctions. We can't ignore that from uh, from the United States and um, and Great Britain and uh, some of the EU. I believe recently the ambassador said they've reduced those uh, from the EU. But the sanctions do have an impact in the country as well. But it's because in generally we don't seem to manage our own monetary system in the right manner. So the currencies uh, causes problems of both for um, employers and private sector and business. Uh, because they have to do dual currency. So there's a black market rate, a street rate, then there's the official government rate that they want. And there's a huge gap between the two. So people will take U.S. dollars, trade them on the street, and the, but the businesses are upheld to use the reserve banks. Uh, They're required by law to use the national Correct. Currency. So they are experiencing about 20% uh, loss in, in revenues. So imagine that's, that's yeah. not good. Yeah. So prosperity... In the, when we look at prosperity, for us, the number one focus is job creation. Yeah. There's a very fine line between government policy and private sector development. And we intend to work with private sector because we need jobs coming back into our country. Yeah. We're centrally located in Southern Africa. Yeah. We're ripe and, and the perfect place to have the manufacturing logistics for Southern Africa. So um, that message has been well received in the country. Yeah. Our youth un unemployment is, is high. The point that uh, you find even... Um, you know, teenage pregnancy or young pregnancies are higher, a lot of drug and, uh, drug and alcohol abuse. And, and there are a lot of them come out of university and they don't have any jobs. Despair. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's devastating to see that. And the only thing they're working on is, can I get a visa to get out? Can I use my, my uh, credentials from, uh, from university to go get a job maybe in the UK or Europe or somewhere in, uh, in uh, another country in Africa? So prosperity is well received. Now, once we're on that... Yeah. You know, modernization is the is the third pillar, okay. and that's the fun part, right? Yeah. We're building the country, we're creating jobs, we we're attracting Zimbabweans to come back into the country. Those that have technical expertise, yeah. we want them to come back. We want to implement and bring our country forward, but we can't have prosperity, personal or nationally, or modernization until we fix the justice system, which is the second pillar. Right. The most important. That yeah. is the biggest job that we will have uh, as an administration is making sure that we change the culture of nepotism, cronyism, corruption at the judicial system. And it creates, we have to reestablish the trust between citizen and government, government and business and uh, uh, citizen and business is completely deteriorated today to the point that folks just said, you know what, I'm not even going to vote. Nothing's going to change. So we had to go back and reemphasize saying, no, no, no. We understand what the real problem is. We don't have a functional justice system, and that's why we're experiencing the life yeah. that we're experiencing. Yeah. So that part I'm very excited about. It would be the most challenging. And I believe that as people start to see how we start um, fighting corruption, making sure we're protecting the boy child and the girl child in the country, making sure human rights are really being uh, supported and that any violation of those, we have, we have real accountability and no one's above the law, we'll start to see, um, I believe, sort of the the fabric and the emotion and the culture of our country start to come intact and, and, and have sort of peace and reconciliation. I want to come back to human rights in a moment, but first, um, I, I know we've talked about this before. One of the biggest challenges Zimbabwe has faced is really rapacious economic development, quote unquote, economic development. This is a big piece of your campaign. It's a big piece of uh, your vision for Zimbabwe. Can you explain how that has worked in the past, how it's led to so many of the problems that Zimbabweans are experiencing now, and how you go about it differently? Um, great uh, question. Uh, I, 
I can't remember if we did touch on that, and that's going to take a lot of time. So I want to try and yeah, shorten it. Sure. But, yeah. So the infrastructure we're seeing today in the country is what was left behind by the former colonizer. So that that regime, the you know the Rhodesian regime, that's the infrastructure you're seeing today. Roads. <laughs> it's nice <laughs> to even think about that. Yeah. So the, wow. Yeah. So uh, when when development started coming in, you start to see that. For example, say we're going to build a road or we're going to build, you know, a certain, you know, infrastructure. It gets uh, outsourced to uh, friends of the regime, either close Zimbabwean friends and the price is hyperinflated and then people take some proceeds out of that. So it's something that might have it's supposed to cost maybe, say, $30 million is now $80 million and then $50 million of it's looted. And then project probably never even finishes. And then the other side of it is you start to see the other infrastructure development through foreign um, allies. I, I wouldn't even call them allies, like bad deals. Like China. So China. Yeah. So China comes in and says, we're going to you know, build, say, the airport. But you find out that there, the level of mining and, and the, the, the level of um, resource removal in the country is so high. Yeah. It doesn't even equate, doesn't even make sense. So when we start breaking down these deals or they're, you know, essentially taking people off ancestral land and mining in the most inhumane way, you know, just blowing dynamite next to villages. So, and this is all because they're given permission. Belarus is one that's really coming up right now. Yeah, Belarus is is heavy into our country. Which is Uh, just a puppet state of Russia. Yes, major, major problem. So uh, as we see this in development, it really slows it down because it never really finishes. The example I use because people say, well, yeah. corruption's everywhere. Sure. Yeah. So in, in development, when we look at this, we say, okay, fine. Let's assume we're building a road. Um, I don't want to be, let's say in the Western world. Yeah. And the road's going to cost $100,000. If there's corruption, you'll see that corruption might be 10,000 of the hundreds taken and then 90,000 builds the road. But the road still gets built. <laughs> doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it right. But the road does finish. Yeah. In Zimbabwe, the road is $100,000 they'll take 90,000 and try to build a road with 10 <laughs> and it doesn't work. So for us, it, we go back to justice. When we look at, um, for us in our economic uh, plan, we have to upgrade. And um, for us, one of the biggest things we're going to do, whether it's like, you know, the Eisenhower of Zimbabwe is the road network. You know, before we get highly technological advanced, we need to have roads that work. Basic transportation. Basic transportation infrastructure. infrastructure. And it creates jobs, everything from blue collar jobs uh, down to uh, to uh, technical jobs, you know, development of highways, you know, making sure we're building from, from South Africa to Zambia, from Mozambique to uh, Botswana, you know, and making sure that when tourists come, uh, our trucking haulage logistics, uh, uh, transcontinental uh, process, you know, Ships that dock in Mozambique can drive through Zimbabwe and they know that the roads are going to be safe. They're not blowing out tires or having issues. You know, we have way stations that make sure that the, the travel is safe. But we have, for so I'm making it sound very simple, but that is a huge project in building a highway. So if I leave a legacy, it would make sure that uh, the country has jobs and the economy is moving, but they have to trust the process of, uh, of justice. Yeah. So if you have the yeah. issue where... 90,000 is taken <laughs> and you're trying to build a road of 10, someone needs to get arrested. <laughs> so that, so that's where we face right now is cronyism, uh, nepotism, and then just straight bribe and corruption. Yeah. And you see the bad deals of, you see China coming in, you see Belarus yeah. coming in and, um, the rate at which Zimbabwe pays for that is, un, is, is, um, 
you pay for it generationally, unfortunately. And presumably the voters, uh, the people of Zimbabwe see this and are outraged by it and, and want change, but they're ill-served by the, by the existing corrupt government. They have Correct. no power, right? Yes. The city, yeah. So it's interesting. The citizens have the power, okay. right? But I, I truly believe that the leadership has not pulled them to take action to the point where it's been happening for so long that you can even you can you can clearly see exhaustion, almost political exhaustion, mm. inside the country. So people just say, you know what, it's it is what it is, and that's a horrible place to be. It is a horrible place to be, and they acknowledge saying, you know what, yes, that you know that mine there's a Chinese mine, but we, we're not allowed to work there, or they have not built the road that even leads to it. In yeah, fact, because when the Chinese come in, a lot of people don't know this, but when the Chinese come in to, for example, a a, a failed state like Zimbabwe or even a former Soviet Republic state like uh, Georgia, they're not hiring locals. They're not hiring Georgians. They're not hiring Zimbabweans. They're bringing Chinese people from China to work uh, on the plants, the mines, whatever they're building. Um, it's not an economic uh, plus for the country that they're essentially colonizing economically. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they don't. They, they bring their own people in, right. and, the, and the community still remains uh, in poverty. In fact, it even gets worse because... Once those trucks are leaving these mines, they create potholes. Yeah, so they destroy the infrastructure that's there, which is already old infrastructure and outdated infrastructure. So they're not coming and saying, hey, we've built a, you know, a, local, a local clinic or a hospital, police station or school. They'll come in, take leave. And they do. It's, it's, so when you talk to the locals and you see that that's just where they are, that no one is, you know, they're, no one is helping them, you know, it becomes trouble. So we, my message has been very, very clear. We want to build Zimbabwe uh, for Zimbabweans by Zimbabweans. It's, it's it's very very clear, and we know that we have to have a foreign policy that works uh, well with you know both regionally, continentally, and internationally. So we you know saying that you know China's doing this is because they're allowed to do it. Because if if there was a government that said you know what yes you might have the infrastructure to mine, but here's what's required of you in this community, and you can choose to interact with us or not choose not to. But we have other partners we can go to, whether it's the West or in other, in other parts of the world, that adhere to human rights and also help us in economic development. So the relationship is, is, is a good relationship. And right now, China's not giving Zimbabwe a good relationship. And so in us, we, as we travel and we're talking to folks that have really lost hope, we are reigniting that back up and saying, listen, the, we are not in opposition of, um, of a political party. We are in opposition of the system of government because the government has failed you. Both members of parliament that are in the opposition are also part of government, even though they hold a one third of the seats in parliament. No one has stood up against this. The reason you're feeling the voter apathy or you're feeling, uh, you know, you know, downhearted and, and, and broken is because the people you have elected, even on previous opposition, have not represented you and your community. And that's the problem is the system is enjoying the proceeds of selling you out. And we need you to stand with us. And that message has been well received. Everywhere we go, it's been well received. Okay, so tell me more about that. Because when we, when we spoke last summer, you hadn't made a campaign announcement, obviously. Um, can you give us an update on the state of the election and the campaign and, and the reception to this message? Like, all, the whole the whole picture. Yeah. So the state of the election. Let's start there. Yeah, because that one is uh, there's a little bit of a mess there. So um, how many candidates, for example, are there? Uh, 
Well, it's, that's interesting. There's uh, quite a few of them. Um, we're hoping to, um, you know, merge some of them in together. Some have been running for a while. As uh, far as new candidates, I believe there's uh, three, including myself, that are essentially sort of new to to, um, to the presidential campaign, and the other two are female, uh, female candidates. And um, and then myself, I'm the young. I believe I'm the youngest candidate uh, at 42 years old um, in the uh, in, uh, in this in this election. So the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission. It's got a lot of issues going on right now. So there's behind closed doors. I'm not going to say there is because I don't know, but I'm going to. You believe. I yeah. believe that yeah. there is a major election rigging going on right now. So there are many organizations, um, whether they're um, CSO, civic society organizations, or built by citizens themselves that are really fighting this and saying, listen, there needs to be transparency, the voters role, making sure that there's, you know, that that is accurate. And even the borderline, so it's called delimitation report, right now is causing a tremendous amount of problems where they've redrawn the lines that determine members of parliament and constituencies. So without getting into too many details on that, because that, that is a long, long conversation, including an active court case right now that is trying to push the election out to get that straightened so there is... To some, delay the election. Yes, there, this, uh, there, another... Um, opposition leader who actually has the largest opposition seats in parliament has filed a court case, which I believe will be heard next week. And so it's for, that's very interesting. Um, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but we've consulted um, constitutional lawyers and trying to figure out what does that mean for this election? So if, if they push that the constitution says the election is supposed to be conducted uh, between the uh, middle of uh, July and middle of August of this year. So if we go past that date, what does that mean for the active yes. government? There won't be one. So the parliament have to go and appoint, you know, a president and an in, in, in interim president, interim cabinet. So that's very tricky. Well, and if they go past that date, how how is that even constitutional, and who, how is that possible? Yeah, and so that's not answered in the constitution. It's, it's not so that issue of the delimitation report that we're experiencing right now. Yeah. The constitution doesn't have an answer for that. So there's yeah. So we're trying to understand what that means. So again, yeah. as I said, long conversation. Yeah. Uh, that we can do even well. Yeah, I want to. I want to zoom into this for a minute because one of the biggest challenges and considerations around campaigning in Zimbabwe, because of corruption and the lack of democratic reforms, is uh, is similar to one of the really big concerns we have in the U.S., which is people who start claiming there was an election fraud even before the election, right? <laughs> and so I want to lean into this tension because we saw from Donald Trump in 2020, tried to delegitimize the entire process and delegitimize the entire election. And then Kari Lake, who was a candidate for Arizona governor last fall, did exactly the same thing. But in 2020, we had the safest and securest elections in American history. We've talked about this on, on the podcast with David Becker, who's an election lawyer and leading expert. So the situation is obviously different in Zimbabwe. Um, can you paint a picture for us of how corruption could impact this election and, and how to understand it is different from uh, what we saw in 2020 at the presidential campaign in the U.S. Yeah, so it'll be tricky for me to use both as, as uh, in comparisons yeah. um, with the U.S. and Zimbabwe. So it, the issue we have on ours is uh, even the rural communities, is the way the polling station and the way the tallies are done. So if we just look at the last election, for example, uh, the way it's supposed to work is, you know, a voter come up and walks into a polling station, they cast their vote, and then the ballot is those uh, – the ballots are counted, reconciled at the end of the day, however long it takes. And they sit, place, place a form outside the door called, outside that polling station called a V11. And it has the results and signed by, by folks. There. So you can have a, uh, you know, um, 
a polling agent in that will be trained either through an, you know civic society organization partnered with political parties. So there's some level of verification. There's about 11,000 polling stations in the country. Uh, the delimitation report we're trying to figure out is where are these polling stations going to be? And, and one organization uh, is uh, determined that when they gave the coordinates for the polling, some of them were showing that the, the polling station was going to be in the Indian Ocean. <laughs> so in, in 2018, there was an issue that in the middle of a bush, just middle of nowhere, they would say, oh, polling station's there. That wasn't a, on an original report. And then all of a sudden that polling station has 3,000 votes. But it's just a fake. It was it was just there. Yeah. So a lot of the um, uh, the rigging, the election rigging, was based on the idea that polling station can just pop up somewhere, and then they'll say the votes came. But in 2018, they took those ballots to a military base and kept them there for several days, and then came back and said, "Well, the ruling party won by 51 percent, which is the requirement uh, to take uh, to take office." So this year, we said, "You know what? Let's look at." voter protection in making sure that the, you have people at, at the polling station, but we've spent so much time in opposition without reform since last election. You, you would have thought that opposition members of parliament would have said, let's put in electoral reforms over the next five years leading to the next election. So we're better prepared. They didn't, not a single one was put in and they have not really done much unless, except for the fact that they're trying to defend their position in their constituency based on this delimitation report, because where there are strongholds in opposition, some of them have been split. So the opportunity for that uh, candidate is going to lose because now it gives the ruling party an opportunity to field a candidate inside that community because they've cut that community in half. So, yeah, so this is, you know, it's, it's very, very, um, it, the rigging is, is, a, is a, it, it's simplistic compared to the United States, but it's, um, it's obvious that um, the lack of forethought from the learnings of 2018 and the failure for opposition MPs to do something about it and raise that in parliament and put through electoral reforms is the reason we are where we are right now. So people ask me, and this is a very frank conversation. People ask me and say, so what happens, you know, with you, if this, this level of election rigging is going on, what's your thoughts on, on you winning, right? That's the real question. And we said, the reason why rigging can take place is because citizens, over 50% of the population has got voter apathy. They have just thrown their hands up and said, nothing's going to change. We need the numbers. We have to travel the country and we share the message of hope, prosperity, justice, modernization throughout the whole country and say, no, this is different. You've had the same people running the same political cycle in the last four or five elections. We have come in as a real third force and we are the ones that are going to come in. So assume that to some degree, the presidential part gets, uh, gets rigged. We are going to field candidates and members of parliament that over the next five years are going to put in the electoral reforms that should have been done the last five years. So we're looking at 2028. So for us, we are starting to change the system inside. And the only way we can do that is we got to start with your community. We have to put counselors in your community. We have to put members of parliament in your community that when they get to parliament, they're advocating for Zimbabwean rights, both electoral and financial and prosperity. So it's a long, we have a long road beyond this election, but we are where we are with the rigging that's there because we have failed to put in electoral reforms. I remember from the first time that we talked, one of, you said something that reminded me of something that our friends at uh, Third Way were talking about, um, which was needing to 
um, in this next election to to run both like uh, almost parallel campaigns, one for elected office, but also one to make sure that election riggers essentially stay out of the the halls of power where they can manipulate the votes and um, uh, and it's not, and you you were talking about something very similar, which was. If I do this, when I announce the campaign, we're going to have to have two campaigns, essentially. One, to make sure that there are election, there are election officials there who are going to count the votes accurately and securely uh, and announce the results and not take bribes and, and not cave to intimidation, <laughs> right? And we have to convince the voters of Zimbabwe that uh, that they should choose us, right? And both, both completely parallel campaigns. And so I wonder how you're thinking about that now. Yes, it's the exact same. And so the election protection is a very, very big part for us. Um, fielding, uh, you know, agents in, and this is where I think I, I would say extremely disappointed uh, in, in all opposition uh, uh, parties, where if we could come together, sure, we're going to contest, uh, get, you know, for the job, right? So yeah. we're all, we're all trying to get the, yes. the job of the office and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And, and if you want to, and you believe you can, you should contest. Right. Right. However, the voter protection by contest, you mean run. Run. Run yes, for office, right, yes. Right. So anyone that wants to Not run Not contest for, the results, but to run for to office. To run for right. office, correct. Yeah, thank you for the yes. clarification. Yeah, glad <laughs> you made that clarification. Um, the voter protection uh, process, we should be united on that because we need about 44,000 citizens that can take shifts at 11,000 polling stations, so three per polling station. Mm-hmm. We need to give them data uh, so they can uh, get the results that we need because under the Constitution, they're the only ones that can take a picture of the V11. Citizens have to be 300 meters away from the polling station. So the oh. only person can take is the person that counted it. Oh. And they need to have a device and they need to have airtime and they need to be able to upload that. So when, if that ballot box is then taken to some military yeah. base, we have the official results of three counters. From the people who counted the ballots right there on the spot. Right there on the spot. Okay. And we okay. get the actual V11 at these yeah. polling. So if opposition united just on the voter protection, we, the, the citizens will be so mobilized and so excited that there would be belief that in this election, yeah. even if they stole it from us, yeah. we did win. Yeah. And we got the yeah. right number and yeah. the actual document. Yeah, right. All 11,000 of from them. From right there at the moment, yeah. And that's where we need to support them because we need yeah. to feed them as they yeah. go through the shifts of three. Yeah. So if it takes two days to count them, yeah. we make sure they get sleep, they take shifts. They, so this is where... <clears throat> That's the camp. That's one part yeah. that you talk about. That's one part of it. It's yeah. a big part. Yeah. Because it affects all of all opposition, regardless of what our ideologies are. Yeah. And that's what we want. Okay. And so the second part now is is the real is the real campaign. A campaign is, to get elected. Yeah. To, get, and, <laughs> to, and, convince, and, to convince the voters. Yeah. And to do that, we need the numbers. And yeah. people have just really sat and said, I I'm just gonna look up for I'm just I right now I just need to feed my family. Yeah. I'm selling, you know, uh you know, I'm an informal sector. I'm selling fruits and vegetables and, and clothes on the side of the road yeah. just to just to make ends meet. I, I don't have it in me. So we go back and say, no, no, no. It's, it, it's very different this time. Yeah. The same polit- uh, politicians have been, been recycling themselves and relabeling themselves yeah. through new parties and say, no, we're the alternative. But you haven't succeeded being the alternative. You haven't even put the, the right foundation and reforms in place. The cities that you do already run, you don't run them well. Yeah. So why would you, why would people be convinced that you can take the the, yeah. the, the highest office in the land? Yeah. So that voter apathy is the part where we have been trying to come in and galvanize. And it's your really, biggest struggle. It's a, it's a really big struggle. Are people believing you? Right now they are. Everywhere we go, the crowds a bit get bigger and bigger. And that's, I think, <laughs> I'll share this with you. 
when we when I first announced, they're like, "Oh, this guy's nothing's going to happen. If he gets fifty votes, I'll, you know, I'll I'll buy him I'll buy him a beer." You know, <laughs> like that kind of. You get to see these things on social media, yeah. and I remember one journalist even said, "You know, are you not concerned? This is a you're launching a dead donkey." Yeah. You know, and I thought, "What?" Yeah. So they didn't realize we had already built teams and infrastructure, it's, it's like polit- our party structure on the ground. So once we started having our meetings now, then that's when people woke up and said, wait a minute, these guys have actually been working on this for quite some time. Said, yes, we did. I didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to be president. We actually put in the right structure. We have our constitution. We're very straightforward in our ideology. And then we also looked to make sure we had a code of conduct. So in our code of conduct saying, this is how we're going to how we're going to walk. This is, this is what we believe in. This is how we're going to make sure that, you know, we are um, campaigning. Mm. We're not going to be violent. We're not going to, you know, say if we're talking about democracy, we want competition. Yeah. But what I'm going to do is probably try and spend more time talking to you so we can work together and not, not maybe not split the vote or, yeah. or and so forth. And people will welcome that. So our meetings, when we were meeting with the citizens, it was 600, 1,000, you know, crowds very big and people woke up and was like, okay, this is a real third force. Yeah. So, for me uh, and my I, team. I want to pause right there uh, just to hold that thought, but I think it's beautiful that your campaign is embodying the thing that you are promising. Mm-hmm. It's embodying the vision you have for Zimbabwe, um, I think, which is which is important to show that things can be different. Yes. Right? If, you, if your case to the Zimbabwean people is, no, no, this time really is different and you really need them to believe you, embodying the thing that you are that you are promising that you're campaigning for is really important. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and this we've been welcomed very much, you know, even the fact that uh, we've seen even, you know, from the race perspective, you know, we've got, uh, uh, people are, are broken. And so there's a lot of, uh, you can see some hate sometimes you can even see uh, tribes and sort of, you know, you said this nasty stuff. So coming in and saying, no, no, we want peace and reconciliation. We want to make sure that the country loves one another. We see each other as Zimbabwean first. You don't see as, you know, I'm a mixed race guy or I'm a, you know, black Zimbabwean or white Zimbabwean. You're, you're simply Zimbabwean. Yeah. And if we can, it, so as we went through that, we really embodied that everywhere. Tribalism, you know, in the Southern part of the country, the Ndebele uh, people in Matabeleland, it was the first meeting that we had and the welcome, it was so warm. It was so welcoming. And this is a, a, a uh, a, a group, a population of people in the country that have been extremely marginalized and even experienced a genocide uh, it, where, mm. t- you know, 20,000 of their citizens were slaughtered and there are people alive that still remember that. They can't even have a memorial right now that can that does not get vandalized. And it's so shameful that those folks are uh, marginalized. So when I went there, and I am Shauna. I am from the northern, uh, the northern part of the country. They welcomed me with open arms. I'm mixed race. They welcomed me with open arms. So it really showed the love that went th- went through, and we want that to spread throughout the country and ha- really have peace. It's the only way we can grow as a country. So that message, the crowd started getting bigger. Yes, we can talk about prosperity, jobs, you know, in in, in making money and feeding yeah. people. But if we can't love our neighbor, hmm. even if we disagree, it's that eighty percent right. There's 10% we'll never see eye to eye on. But let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the 80% that we want for our kids and for our families. And so that's where it made sense. And in Matabeleland, um, the healing there is needed for that for the country. There are people alive that know of what happened in, in their communities. And um, I'm sorry. I have, you got me all choked up. Yeah. <laughs> people can't see my eyes right now. But I yeah. just... Yeah. They were so warm when I got there, uh, when we re- extremely received very well. So I love Zimbabwe, and that's what we want to spread. 
but it requires us to take action. Yeah. And I was glad that, um, you know, bravery or courage inside of me, uh, I feel pulled to do that. I think in my uh, upbringing, I talked about, talked about my grandfather, yeah. it's in my blood is to, is to, is to build the country. Yeah. And so that message is well received prosperity, justice, yeah. and modernization. And justice is the biggest one because we cannot, if we're learning from the past, we cannot have the atrocities that we saw in Matabeloland uh, that are there where we're looking at a tribe versus looking at people. And we miss the element, the human element that we are Zimbabwe. Because when a Zimbabwean travels outside of Zimbabwe, they're not going to ask you your tribe. They're not going to ask right. you your, they, all they right. know is you're Zimbabwean. Zimbabwe. Yeah. Black, white, mixed, you know, a Christian, Muslim, whatever the case may be, yeah. you know, uh, you know uh, gay, straight, rich, poor, you're Zimbabwean. That's all they see is you're Zimbabwean. So if, if we can't love each other first and move with that and then say, okay, now how do we develop our communities together? Yeah. How do we do, develop that together? Uh, we're, we're going to continually fail. Yeah. So the message now is hope is saying, come with us, stand with us, and let's fight this beast together. Yeah. They are going to try and rig it, but they can't do it if all of us show up. Yeah. Yeah. They'll do it if only 10% of us show up. Yeah. But if all of us come and we stand there, they can't do it. Yeah. So this is for us to win. <sighs> okay. So how far away are we from election day now? <laughs> so we go back to the other question, which is, <laughs> is the constitution, right? Yes, exactly. The, the we don't know. There's no date announced. We actually don't know actually when don't. the election is going to be. <laughs> so the constitution says it's supposed to be between July and August. So we are planning for July and August. So we're, what, four months away from that. But uh, depending on what happens with the hearing next week, the delimitation report, uh, which has been rejected in parliament, they can't use the last delimitation report of 2008 because of population density it's drastically changed. And so uh, we're paying attention to what that looks like. And we're also going to file our own um, court case as well. And also around the releasing of the voters role so we can have accuracy. You can't have one house that has 300 people that live in it and right. they all belong to one yeah. party. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So a big house. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> or a polling station that's in the Indian Ocean. Yeah. So, right. you know, we want to have, uh, we need accuracy. So um, right now, the based on the constitution, it's supposed to be in, in, in August. Yeah. But uh, we'll see what happens over the next uh, couple of weeks as we also make our, uh, our filings with the- uh, Yeah. With the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission. Okay, um, I want to get into. Um, well, there's been some news about gold recently. Do you want to explain the current uh, <laughs> this story that you mentioned to me in the elevator as we were coming up here? Yes. What's going on? So today, you know, as you and I are sitting here, yeah. episode four released, uh, and and I will say clearly of that episode four of episode four. So Al Jazeera uh, yes. uh, uh, did an investigation investigation into what's considered the gold mafia. If you haven't seen it, go watch this it's on YouTube. Okay. Uh, they had to break it down to four into four series, four episodes, about an hour each uh, long, and um, it's pretty it's pretty damaging. So. For clarity, we know corruption has been rampant in Zimbabwe. That's not new. But for the first time, it's really being uh, demonstrated through audio and video uh, right to the executive branch, right to the, right to the, right to the, right to the top, uh, top office, uh, even to the point where even diplomatic and the international airport uses the vehicles to get gold in and out and cash in and out of the country. Listen, yeah, so... Uh, of course, there needs to be an investigation, right? Because yes. Al Jazeera did theirs as an right. investigative journalist organization. So we really can't 
accuse anyone because we have to be you need, to, you need an independent investigation right yeah which then which how do you get an independent investigation out of a failed state government there you go right, <laughs> right. <laughs> hence justice is our yeah. biggest right. our biggest pillar right so uh, al jazeera did this over several years and um some you know uh, uh, what do you call accused smugglers uh that are that are dem- that are being shown in this um in this uh investigative series uh, are people that are tied to the top government. What's what's crazy about this is it, at the rate, there's about 165 million uh, a month that gets looted in gold. And that's just dollars? gold. Dollars, US dollars. Wow. That's just gold. That's not even counting diamonds or any other mineral we have in the, that's just gold. And we're talking about like gold from Zimbabwe land. Yes, so, so, so check this out. So- Not from a bank vault. Not from a bank vault. So they're, you know, in Zimbabwe, we call them uh, Makorokoza. So they're like um, small miners. They're just out in, 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 in the middle of nowhere mining gold, which for us, we, are, we want to legitimize them in, because it's the only way we can make the system work. But they're mining uh, gold. It's being purchased. And then that gold is put in suitcases and carried by individuals onto, onto flights, go through the airport, bribe the airport security, and it goes through the scanner and the whole bag has gold in it. They fly to Dubai. You got to watch this. It's 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 like something out of a movie, but it's really happening. And they have a video and and audio to demonstrate how this is taking place. They get on a flight with this, get to Dubai, exchange the suitcase, and they jump right in, at the airport. They don't even go into into the city. They do it at the airport and go right back with another bag of cash that goes back into the country oh, on the same flight, returning God. back to Harare. So oh, it, yes, and so this is tied to the very top. So there's many issues here. The, the first one that I would say is easy to to acknowledge. And who's receiving the cash? Oh, that's uh, that's the part that I think I'll be careful on how I answer okay. that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because you don't. We have, don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, they 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 tell you who it is, and in, in, okay. in um, and they tell you how it's tied up there. But okay. the fact that a um, a a diplomatic uh, appointed diplomat, Zimbabwean diplomat, is the one that is actually arranging this. Oh. Is so again. We go back to trust between the people talk about investing in Zimbabwe, and you see that this is taking place at a diplomatic level, mm-hmm. and he's still active, even though the fourth episode's out. This guy should have been suspended. This guy, you know, the assets should have been frozen. Yeah. But then what happens is um, the first family is even implicated in this, where and even as ministries are implicated in this. What's made it really worse um, in this uh, case here. Um, recently came out that um, the leader of the main opposition, the, not the main opposition, but the popular opposition uh, in Zimbabwe, which is the one I mentioned, is the lawyer, was the, was the lawyer of uh, the gold smuggler that's in this case. Wow. So when we talk about a system, a system oh, problem, wow. yeah, this is, and so this coming out has just been, you you know how do how do we look at the country? So <clears throat> the message I shared yesterday, I was interviewed yesterday about yeah. this, and I said, if we're going to have a conversation about fighting corruption, yeah. we got to have a real conversation about it. Yeah. So no one can be above the law. We can't say that okay, we want change so much that okay, we'll ignore that this person was you know was represented by someone we're saying is the alternative, and then that that person is the accused is also noting that they're connected. 
through diplomatic ties of the existing same of the government yeah. where they're trying to saying they're trying to remove right so so but let's just make sure we're very clear so that people can follow what we're talking about the ccc which is the let's say they're the establishment opposition is that fair like uh, popular popular opposition popular okay. opposition to the to the ruling party yes okay and the lawyer for the CCC. No, the no. president, presidential candidate for the CCC is the lawyer, was the lawyer of the gold smuggler Wait, in this Al Jazeera. the presidential candidate for the CCC, the opposition party, yes. was the lawyer- At one point was the lawyer for this- Oh, for the for the gold smuggling scheme, essentially, that, the, is, a tied, that is tied the to individual, the- individual. The individual that is being uh, noted in the Al Jazeera investigation. Yeah. Of the gold smuggling wow. scheme. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And this is where we are. And so enter voter apathy. Yes. <laughs> like eh, despair and, and hopelessness. Yes. And, and so, when, so when we're, when we're talking about op, you know, saying people say, what are you alternative to? We're an alternative to the government, which is a system. Yeah. yeah. The government is no longer just party based. Even the fact, I think last time we spoke that this is it's a system of corruption. It's a system of yeah. corruption yeah. all the way straight through. Almost, so we, we have a system that is that is a problematic. It's no longer even party based anymore. Yeah. We have a corruptive system in the country. At, at, at Christmas, the members of parliament received forty thousand dollars while the country was going through starvation. Forty thousand dollars. Ministers, cabinet ministers, received half a million dollars at Christmas. So now, let me ask you this: This Al Jazeera investigation comes out. Members of parliament took forty thousand dollars, except for one, one from, MP from, who? from where? From the government, from from the ruling, from the from the main government, from the you know, yeah, yeah from Reserve Bank or but the government. Yeah, they gift they gave each other forty thousand dollars in parliament. Opposition included took it, except for one. One MP did not take it, and so then we come three months later. This Al Jazeera investigative comes out. Who do you think is going to now say let's fight corruption in that? In that government, they yeah. all are taking money. They all have perks in there, whether it's, you know, government vehicles and, you know, all these sort of things. So we have a system problem. So when people say, what makes the Democratic Union of Zimbabwe different? We are in opposition to the system. Because there, are no, there or, are no checks on corruption that exist or that are effective at this point. Is correct. That, that's There's the none. problem. That's the problem. That's the problem. <sighs> So now you know, we think of the international airport, which is the yeah. one to quickly, we can acknowledge that very quickly. Imagine you're trying to fight terrorism, you're fighting uh, human, uh, human trafficking, you're fighting you know, illicit uh, transportation of drugs and, um, and firearms, and you see that airport officials can be bribed to, to, to walk out with a bag that has $3 million Suitcase in gold. Suitcase full of gold. Full of gold. Every aircraft carrier, every... every it's, 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 um, it breaks your heart when you see it. We, right now we, you know, we, the elderly, a lot of folks that are, are seniors don't have pensions. The pensions they worked for for years were looted out of uh, state coffers. We have no functional hospital. We don't have a functional healthcare system. Women in some cases have given birth right on camera uh, in the street. We don't have, you can't even not even get something as simple as an aspirin or an ibuprofen in a hospital. The pharmaceuticals is, it, it's, uh, college, you've got drug, you know, drug usage is high. Unemployment is rampant. And then you find out that this level of corruption takes place in, at the highest levels yeah. of government, people are aware of it. It's no wonder they think it's impossible. It's no wonder voters don't want to show up. That's right. 
So this, I have not seen episode four, but uh, my phone was blowing up today okay. as I was walking in and they said, you know, do you have, you know, journalists, do you have a comment on this? I said, well, I can't comment without seeing episode four, yeah. but I can tell you that um, when we try to explain to people that we have a system of corruption yeah. and you find out that lawyers in opposition have represented the, uh, the ruling parties accused of corruption. They are the lawyers that, that go into court and represent them. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we have a serious problem. Yeah. We have a, so, so this Al Jazeera, uh, coming out and if, if Zimbabweans are listening to this, are they, and are they, are they, uh, I mean, are the people of Zimbabwe reacting to this? Is it, is it, is this, is this um, above and beyond the normal level of corruption that they suspect and that they understand to be happening? And is this actually having an impact in public opinion? Um, in public opinion, yes, there is. Okay. So we, the situation we face is that um, because Zimbabwe is educated country, um, a lot of people, you're very, you're very smart, they'll want to debate the issue. And then there's no action. So we want to call for action. Like there needs to be an impeachment. There needs to be an investigation. And it's got to go back. So, you know, like let's use the United States and in the situation with Trump and his lawyer. I don't know the details of it, but the lawyer was implicated as one of the vehicles that was used to do some of the work. That was, Michael Cohen. Yep. Right. For, for Trump. Yeah. So we need to find out what, what role did the lawyers play? Yeah. And what roles other people play with these folks during that investigation? And does it rise up to the top? But it requires um, bravery. It requires action. You got to go beyond the conversation and, and, and debating yeah. how we feel about it. Right. Because now, for the first time ever, many journalists- You need a have, functioning judiciary is what you need, and you don't do. have one. But it can only be demanded when the citizens take action right. against that. When the citizens say enough is enough, we need to take action. We are either going to take to the streets or we are not, you know, we're going to have a national strike. You know, you, we see this in many countries that say enough is enough. Yeah. Like, so it, are the Zimbabwe, Zimbabweans uh, reacting to it? The conversation is there. People are angry. People are, uh, are um, to some degree shocked because we can visually see it now. Yeah, right. Before, they'll just write about it. Say, oh, this is happening. Yeah. And they'll, you know, one or two evidence. Then, a, you know, like a, a journalist uh, by the name of Hopewell, Hopewell Chungono, was arrested for the very same thing of gold smuggling. And he was arrested and thrown, thrown in jail. So people have sort of become scared. But we've got to get beyond that now because it's right in front of our faces and say, we need an independent yeah. inquiry. Yeah. If, it, if a member of parliament stood up and said that, you know, right now, they would receive the support of the people. And we, and so my call to the Zimbabwean people is we got to stop talking about it. Yeah. We, and we, we got to be about to vote. You need to show up. We need to show need up. To vote up. Yeah. We, 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 if you, if you're really wanting the country to change and things to change, we can no longer do it sitting on the, on, on the sofa. I want to be mindful of your time because you've got a flight to catch after this, but there's two other things I want to touch on. Um, so in 2019, The Economist did a podcast episode on a electricity, the water, and the food crises in Zimbabwe. And one of the people they talked to said something like, I'm tired of promises. We need to see results. Um, the ZANU-PF hasn't been successful. Uh, and Nelson Chamisa, the leader of the CCC, um, is promising things like a bullet train that could take people from Harare to uh, Dualawayo. Yes. Uh, in, uh, you know, that, uh, <laughs> which is like 280 miles, I think, um, <laughs> uh, in 35 minutes. And a, a bullet train in Zimbabwe 
it doesn't sound anywhere near the realm of possibility given <laughs> g- given what we've been talking about. So how are you thinking about the differences between, you know, attractive promises and tangible things that can be achieved uh, that will have an impact on the ground, something like a bullet train versus what you're talking about, which is basic roads and infrastructure? Yes. Yeah. So um, without, you know, because I want, I want to make sure that, uh, you know, said I'm opposition to the system, yeah. which would include uh, ZNPF and um, and any in, in, in yeah. folks in government, yes. basically, whatever party they belong to. Um, for We simplified it because we know that um, five years is not enough time, um, which is the, first, the term of a, of a president. So an administration has five years to basically deliver on his promises. We have so many problems in, so, in infrastructure that is dilapidated, and we also have unemployment. You know, when, we, when I would um, comment on the bullet train, mm-hmm. I would ask and say, how, ex- how ex- internationally exposed is this leader to understand? Because just r- signing the deal for a bullet train is l- possibly longer than the first term of any president. So you can't even deliver in five years. Right. Yeah. just getting the deal and the finance done for that. So I don't think we can talk about those. And then, you know, whose farm is that going to go through? Have you ever seen a bullet train uh, uh, move? It is enclosed. Yeah. So if it's going from Arda to Bulawayo, that means there's nothing that can cross that, you know, that where that bullet train runs at that speed. Because if, if an animal walks in front of it, it's going to derail and right. we have a disaster. So right. very, very simple logical things. So for us, we said, let's focus on the most basic fundamental things. We need our hospital systems up and running. So the where they need to be um, modernized, remodernized, where they go through refurbishment, they go through refurbishment, where new ones need to be built, new ones are built. And they create jobs. So yeah. we're talking about everything from brick masons, brick manufacturing, uh, to electricians, uh, piping, standalone, bed manufacturing, very simple stuff. We're talking about roads, development, everything from earth moving machinery, clearing, logging, adding additional lanes to the system, yeah. creates jobs. Yeah. Whether you have an education or not, it creates a job. Yeah. Because a bullet train, guess who's probably going to finance it? China. And guess who's probably going to build it? China. China. And guess where the resources <laughs> going to come from? China. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, so and what are we going to have to trade with China, China. to get it? Yeah, yeah. Gold. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, <laughs> and rights to the land. And rights to the land. Yes. In perpetuity. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, you know, when we looked at our strategy said, what can we deliver very quickly right now that would make a big impact? So, you know, when you're flying, uh, flying a plane and, you know, sort of like if you fly and you're one degree off on your, um, uh, you know, from, from your, from where you start to your destination, by the time you get there, you're miles apart. If you never continually calibrate. So we said, we cannot be one degree away from the sun. We have to be very realistic in what we can deliver and what we can deliver. Cause until we get the judicial system and the, and the trust back with the investors and we start to show, which one of the things I've been doing here with the world bank. And we start to show the right initiatives that we are turning the tables in our, in our monetary system and our accountability process and transparency. People will start to have people in government and, and the right right companies who start to look at Zimbabwe as an opportunity to invest in. But until then, we're on our own to deliver jobs and deliver the infrastructure we need. So we work with the current private sector and we work within the confines of our natural resources now stay in our country or we have supply chain in our country that revolve around. And we're going to say, let's start building 
very simple things, road infrastructure. We start putting things like hospitals where we have tourism, we add lodges and they start creating opportunity for people to come and stay. We increase the uh, police department where we now have better safety standards. They actually have vehicles that can respond to emergency. We start having trained healthcare workers that are not just dealing with, with wounds and, 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 and illness, but they're dealing even with psychological and behavioral health. And we want to make sure that even our military starts to have pride in wearing the uniform and, and war veterans get their pension. The seniors get their pension, access to free medical care. A college student knows that they don't need a visa to go outside the country. They can get a job right in our country and it pays well. And it pays well. So a minimum wage policy. So the most basic fundamental parts to get the economy moving is to help Zimbabwe, is to get the Zimbabweans working and trust that the income they earn allows them to put meat, food on the table for their family, allows them to take care of their family, allows them to maybe even take one holiday domestically somewhere. You know, we've got Victoria Falls, we've got Lake Kariba, we've got many great, uh, uh, great, uh, you know, vacation spots around the country. Yeah. So the bullet trains, we can talk about that maybe <laughs> after the second term and the next president can yeah. take that, you know, after 10 years. Yeah. But right now, you want to deliver real, basic, tangible, real, results basic, tangible results. Dramatically change the quality of life. Of Absolutely, yeah. uh, we want Zimbabweans to be proud that you know when uh, a a teenager today um, is walking in in in, in the city of uh, say Bulawayo, yeah. and there's a high rise, a new high rise building, they can say, "My dad built that five mm-hmm. years ago." This road you're traveling on, my my father was, my mother was part of this development of this highway system that's here. We want people to be proud of that. We want to have an emergency services that can respond, fire, police, in EMT. And we never had these things before. Yes. Yeah. They, they used to be there, but they all dilapidated. So if you have a car accident on a highway, you're at the mercy of other locals helping you. By the time the police, they don't have cars. They don't have vehicles. They don't have emergency <sighs> services. Yeah. it's it's So the most basic things yeah. that we want to really focus on yeah. in the country. Okay. The other thing I want to get to, and we talked about it earlier, the, the, the problem with the, the wild volatility of the, of the currency uh, yeah. in Zimbabwe, because that has to be, that has to be one of the problems you're going to tackle if Zimbabwe is going to have anything close to economic security, right? Mm-hmm. What do Americans need to understand about the strategic importance of Africa and the Chinese influence on the continent and the relationship to the currency. And, and then maybe even beyond that, what's your plan for stabilizing the currency so that you can deliver the things that you're talking about? Yeah. I want to be very careful in answering that one. The last part of that, which is what's your plan, because then that creates debate. <laughs> like, which is um, the debate. I mean, is there's a shifting uh, opportunity. There's the ground is shifting right now when it comes to Africa and even U.S. dollar and dollarization. There's a big shift taking place. We're seeing that right now. Um, active. We've even seen the, you know, sort of, uh, you know, introduction of CBDCs, yeah. uh, digital currency, and, yeah. and so forth. So that one's a tricky one to answer. It's very tricky right yeah. now because yeah. there are forces at play. Yeah. So the first thing I'll say we need to do is we need to curb inflation, and we re- we need to renegotiate our debt. We have to do an audit and find exactly how much do we owe. So Zambia did. Uh, you know, I remember uh, President Hichilema. Uh, said uh, you were shocked when you got into office and they started auditing, looking at the books and he said, this thing was worse than they had imagined. I suspect we're going to see the same thing in Zimbabwe. Yeah, I want to say I suspect. I believe it's going to be there. So, so whatever, we don't know exactly what Zimbabwe as a country 
owes? Yeah, so they, they'll announce their figures. It's yeah. almost like, you know, private company f- yeah. fudging their numbers at, uh, at the stock market. So, uh, oh, this is over, and then you come back and you find it's Enron, you know, <laughs> so, and then everything collapses. Everyone's like, oh, man, this is worse. Let's get out of this. And then, so there's a painful point we're going to go through uh, economically where we are having to straighten this out. So we have to be very honest about the debt that we have, and we need to pull in, um, you know, sort of, uh, the international community to come and say, we need to restructure this. Uh, how the Chinese come to, uh, would come into this, they're very difficult to deal with when it comes to debt restructuring. They'll say yes, 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 but they never sign when they get to the table. And that's something I'm learning even while I'm here at the uh, World Bank and IMF. We're trying to figure out what is the best method we would take. Now, I will tell you this. It's important that Zimbabwe maintains its currency. Uh, it's very, very important that it maintains its, its currency. Its own currency. Its own currency. Yeah. As inflated as it is, it's yeah. very, very um, important that it does. If we go move back to using the U.S. dollar, uh, there are some things there that might uh, infringe on, on what Zimbabwe's, Zimbabwe's sovereignty. Yes. Yeah. So we want to make sure we, we have that. So there's a painful point where we have the debt and we restructure the debt and even looking at our sovereign wealth, uh, even at our bond and how that starts to move in, tr- in trade. But I believe that in order to stabilize that, we have to start going after uh, ill-gotten gains. We start having things like we have to to do a land audit uh, as well. So we have to find out who was gifted land, where's the land from, and how how was this done? If it was done illicitly, then it needs to be there. We even do a um, lifestyle audit, uh, even folks that uh, previously in in previous government, and start to see, did you receive this because you are part of a looting scandal that took out pensions out of a pension fund? Yeah, so, so there's all these things that we would implement uh, to start stabilizing. And that's when the trust starts to build. So if we went to yeah. someone, let's, um, I'm, I have to be careful. Let, let me use an sure. automotive. Sure. Uh, so if we went to an automotive company and said, uh, we're making these changes in our monetary system and trying to stabilize, but we know that we have nickel. We know that we have lithium that you need for the automotive sector. We don't want it to be mined and taken out of the country but we'll work together and we'll bring in maybe even a, a, a mediator. So let's say, um, I want to be careful mentioning names, but an, auto, sure. an American automotive company mm-hmm. that has presence in Africa says, yes, we need that to move towards, towards EV sector. We want you to put your plant in Zimbabwe and you start assembling the batteries here. So even if it only has 500 people, yeah. we want to have a program that is successful and help us do that and we can have some incentives on the back end for you as a company taking risk with us to come and put the yeah. factory here. Yeah. But that success story then starts to encourage other investors to come and say, if those guys are successful, we have a chance and we start to build the economy back up. Come here and let Zimbabweans build your batteries with our natural resources and we'll, we'll cut you a break for taking the risk. Correct. Yeah. And it, so whether it's from a taxation standpoint, so that's where we start getting employ, employment back in the country and that money starts to circulate in the system. But the first thing we got to do is we got to curb inflation. So we have to find out where those leaks are. Yeah. Right now, that's not very public. Right. So things like the coal Naturally, smuggling. So yeah. imagine $165 million Jeez, in gold yeah. being in our country yeah. every month. This is monthly. Yeah. So These aren't pennies at the fringes. No. This, is, this is like so, huge dollar amounts. So yeah. once we have an, indip- an audit in, in the new government, we're going to go through shock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we have to come back and say, how do we, how do yeah. we solve this problem and, and renegotiate? So the real friends will work with us. But as we're learning, uh, China doesn't do that. So, so let's go to the bigger picture now yes. and what yes. regional, regional right. stuff means. Right now, there's a BRICS. The BRICS, um, the BRICS countries, yes. Brazil, India, China. Russia. Russia. And South Africa. And South Africa, and South Africa is our neighbor. Right. There's pressure there. 
Yes. And this is why I said it's not a very easy answer to give. Give it. We need to give people the TLDR on the why the alliance of the BRICS countries is significant. Just in a tweet length, why does this matter? Oh, it matters. This is geopolitics now. Yes. Yeah, big, big geopolitics. And yeah. in Africa, if you look at the influence there now, it's big time. Uh, especially the Chinese especially influence. Especially the Chinese but influence. But South Africa plays a big part of that. So even at the, at the time, I believe they were ahead of the African Union. So if you look at the debt that's all throughout, uh, throughout Africa, right now, BRICS is, is a big part of that. So the fact that even I believe Saudi Arabia is even looking to join BRICS, uh, coming in there is also an influence on Africa because the northern part of Africa is very closely tied to uh, to, the Arab, to the Arab uh, uh, Arab uh, nations. Yeah. So it's tricky um, for for the time we have. I would probably encourage people to look into that, but there is a shift taking place right now, and certain countries, if don't have if they don't have the right um, the right leaders or strength put in place they could be either be pushed, manipulated, or forced or arm-twisted into some of these agreements, which then cause other uh, reactions uh, elsewhere and affect the geopolitics. So Zimbabwe, the first thing we need to do is we need to care about, we need to fix our own home yeah. and not allow outside influence. And then we need to come back and negotiate because they need the resources. On your own terms. On our own terms. Right. We have to. And, and I believe that the negotiation will be done, which is the 10% we talk about. There are things we'll never see eye to eye on yeah. and we'll stand firmly on those as a country. Yeah. Then there's 10% that we're going to negotiate. Yeah. So yes, we know that our natural resources are uh, a need in the world, but how you're doing that yeah. is the part that we're going to talk about and yeah. what it means for our country and what it means for reinvestment back into our, yeah. into our community. So stabilizing it from a monetary system, it's very tricky for the call that we have. Uh, and we can set up another time just to yeah. talk about that yeah. because yeah. we start going down the road of digital currency, international remittances, yep. international trade. What does it mean with our economic sanctions uh, yeah. from the United States? So we'd need those removed as well. Yeah. You know, so if the U.S. says, you know, we want to participate, well, we need you to remove sanctions. Right. And the sanctions are placed on there because we don't have a handle on uh, levels of corruption and justice. Right. So that vehicle moves, but we need you to release these so we can start you internationally trading. both of those things. Correct. Yeah. So it requires us to be very smart. So, yeah. so yeah. you know. That requires you to build trust. It is. Yeah. Yeah, big Not time. Not just with Zimbabwean people, but with foreign allies. Correct. Yeah. The international community. The international community yeah. Yes. So that's where it becomes... Uh, so imagine like, you know, we talk about this gold, uh, this gold mafia documentary from Al Jazeera. Imagine you're looking at this and you're um, the CEO of a company, in, say in Germany or in France, and you're already looked at doing business in Zimbabwe and you think to yourself, they're about to get slapped with more sanctions. I think we're going to hold off on our investment right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. This is the impact. Yep. And then the countries that have imposed sanctions say, see, we told you. We told you. <laughs> So we're, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a change in government in Zimbabwe would instantly start to give confidence back and start the dialogue on how do we move the needle. But if Zimbabweans don't change, change their government in this election and don't vote for real change in government in this election, they may not get another chance. They may not get another chance because yeah. the next five years, people are not going to find right. themselves in business right. after such an investigation of right. looting, of rampant looting at a diplomatic yeah. level. Yeah. So the existing government may just give away the farm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what they'll, what they'll do is they're not going to work with the right people. What's going to happen is, you know, sort of like um, um, the, the loan sharks will come in and say, yep, you know, 
the 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 West you the people you want to work with that adhere to human rights that actually build economies that actually do these things they're not going to work with you so let us come in but in in return we want this whole diamond gold mine and we'll help you build this uh, one one highway but we need the whole gold mine out of that or we want all this land we want to own you know tobacco whatever the case may be they'll come in and take that from you and that's what ends up happening so Zimbabweans have to really take this election extremely serious you know and they need to pick a, uh, a, you know, the Democratic Union of Zimbabwe to lead them. The moment that happens, the international community will open its doors to say, for the first time, there's actually real change in the country. Let's have a dialogue on how we can bring this forward. And we say, yes, we need sanctions to be, to be loosened. While that's happening, we're going to create milestones that we're going yeah. to meet on our judicial process and human rights. Transparent and, benchmarks. And yes, and we create those on this side. And then we need to have companies that say, we are in a place where we can take a chance and we work together and we start to create case studies and we start to show success step by step by step. And as we start to do that, when we get done after two terms in, in 10 years, the country will look completely different. Even Africans. One of the things I believe, and I'll end with this. Yeah. There's a, there is an organization of, uh, through the African Union, which is the, um, the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. I 100% believe in it. I believe in that because it allows us to, free, to trade freely on the continent of Africa. Why it doesn't work is because they don't trust each other and yeah. no other country has a currency that works in another country. So the reconciliation of goods and services with the monetary system, they don't trust each other. So this is why I said it's tricky to have this conversation yeah. because we start looking at digital yeah. currency. Yeah. Could Africa adopt a digital currency backed by its natural resource? I'll Ooh. just leave it there. Ooh. For the African okay. Continental Free Trade Agreement, you put technology like blockchain yeah. on there and we have verification mechanisms that take place where now, you know, we are buying uh, certain uh, raw materials from other African countries and we're using those for our manufacturing in Zimbabwe. They're doing the same thing. They're buying some of our agricultural products yeah. and they're using them, say, in, uh, in, in Nigeria, in Ghana, in, in Kenya. Yeah. So the African Continental Free Trade Agreement is a great opportunity for our continent to thrive. Yeah. But we got to fix our systems. Man. That's why I said that's a, is the monetary system is a conversation of its it is, own. It's a whole conversation of its own. And, and, <laughs> and, and we actually should bookmark that and come back to it because I think one of the things, especially when it comes to Bitcoin, that Amer Americans tend to think of Bitcoin as this wildly volatile asset. But when you're talking about Bitcoin compared to a currency like Zimbabwe's currency, it's stable. It is. Relatively, right? <laughs> so um, this, is, this is why we see the adoption of Bitcoin in developing countries that are ill-served by their monetary policies because they're so unstable. Um, and we, we know that as new systems emerge, the people who are the early adopters are the ones who are ill-served by the existing legacy systems. And so anyway, I want, I want to bookmark this and come back to that conversation. Yes, that's, so, a, that's a big one. It's a big one. It's a big one. And yeah. there's a, there's a learning process that takes yeah. place in there. You know, there's a, there are young Zimbabweans that are, that travel around. Uh, there's one that I, I really enjoy speaking with. His name's Alex. is a Bitcoin advocate. I'm actually trying to see if we can get him to the conference yeah. in, in May. And um, he travels and educates people because Zimbabwe has about $2 billion in remittances. So diasporans yes. yeah. taking care of their families back home because yes. the government's not doing it. Yeah. So they send money back home, take care of their families. But the fees when, on those remittances. That's where I was going. So if they're making 10%, that means these companies are making about... $200 million to some of the poorest yeah. people. This is like Western Union here for um, Mexican remittances yes. back, to the, back to their home country, but they're making a killing yes. on these remittances. Yeah. So imagine us using digital currency 
within 10 minutes, you don't have to go stand in line yeah. or there's no intermediary. There's no intermediary. You get yeah. your money right there. And then we have uh, upgrade our systems, which is modernization or even our retailers now move towards like NSC tap or they're using a phone to pay for services. So we go cashless. So there's a whole strategy. Okay. I, th- I think we've just like piqued people's <laughs> curiosities and now they're like, wait, 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 what? Yes. Uh, so that's, that's, that's why you said like, let's come back COVID inflation, <laughs> renegotiating our debt. And yeah. we look at modernization 10 years from now, which is yeah. different from things like bullet trains and whatnot. <laughs> so, so we said, no, how do we get to a point where society's cashless, you know, apps are working, the, the cost of data, it, we drop cost of data down, telecommunications become more reliable and more stable. The power outages, we move away from 16 hour load shedding days and maybe two hour load shedding days, right? So it's not going to be perfect overnight, yeah, yeah. but we're making progress. So companies and 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 and, and commerce can transact uh, virtually online in Zimbabwe, in Zimbabwe or with other Africans through the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. Is there a slogan for the campaign? Uh, prosperity is possible. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. Prosperity is possible. And however you define that personally, yeah. prosperity is possible. Beautiful. Some people want to own their land, leave it to their kids. Some people want to generate wealth and build big companies. Uh, some people want to send their kids to school and university and not have to, um, you know, give away the house and the sink. And some people, prosperity for them is uh, getting acknowledged, uh, getting acknowledgement uh, of history of atrocities in their community, and people can come and learn from it so we don't repeat it. So whatever prosperity means, which is fulfillment, uh, it's not money. You know, right? You 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 feel like I've lived a life worth living, and I'm proud of what I've done. Um, Prosperity is possible. My friend, let's leave it there for now. Uh, sorry, you keep getting, you keep like making my <laughs> eyes water. Um, um, I'll blame it on the allergies. <laughs> um, thank you for being here again a year later. I'm glad that we can finally bring people this part of the conversation. Um, I'll look forward to more and um, Godspeed. Is there is there anything that U.S. listeners can do to help? Yes, you know. Find? And thank you for having me. So yeah. let me say that first. Uh, you, you and I have been going back and forth, text, email, and, and so forth. And uh, you and I are both very busy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and thanks for having me. It's uh, always nice to come to DC. And this yeah. time it's not freezing cold. Yeah. It's actually nice outside. Um, you know, when people ask, like, what can we do is um, they can help us share the word and spread that the Zimbabwean election needs to be free and fair. Uh, if they see the escalation of violence of political violence, help us speak out about it. Uh, help us protect citizens. Um, the big one right now is obviously the member of parliament, Job Sakala, and many others that are persecuted uh, through there. Uh, even the opposition spokesperson um, for Zaima here, she went through a pretty treacherous time where they took it through court and ended up with a five hundred dollar uh, fine and uh, for 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 tweeting. Yeah, for tweeting. And she's a spokesperson and she was very brave. She went through that. But imagine the resources we used. They should have just, if they were going to find it, just find it $500 two years ago. But it's political maneuvering, right, from the ruling party and yeah. using the justice system as punishment. Americans can really help us in in, in supporting uh, those sort of violations as we go into the next four months of um, some pretty tough terrain. Yeah, And their support would come in and really acknowledging we, we don't want... Um, Help us encourage Zimbabweans to be, as you're part of this conversation, it helps Zimbabweans encourage that they're not on their own. And they're not alone. They're not alone. That yeah. everyone can see this. And the power of social media helps us share these stories. And we pick our battles, we pick them wisely. You know, we're not going to fight each other. I'm, I choose not to fight opposition. I'm going to acknowledge why we're different and, yeah. and where they're part of, but hate speech is not going to take anyone anywhere. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is really help Zimbabweans get strength and realize that they're not on their own. So when people are saying, I'm not going to vote or nothing's going to change, no, no, it's different this time because we're here with you. 
we may not be on the ground with you, but we're here with you. Yeah. And then help us uh, support that, uh, support these elections. <sighs> justice is desired. Justice, we ask for those to help us. But even the international community sort of lost, uh, lost hope. So Zimbabwe is on its own. And uh, that's why we um, make these rounds in the yeah. international PR and, yeah. and say, listen, they're not on their own. There's good people, good hearts, um, and they need you to help them, encourage them. Yeah. yeah. Where can people find you? Uh, the website? Where, where, if they want to pay attention to what's happening in Zimbabwe, what are good news sources or social media handles? <laughs> where, where, how can they get better information? Yeah, news sources, I'll probably leave that one, that one, that one astray. So, okay. uh, yeah, uh, media is an interesting uh, uh, part there. Uh, they can find us on our website. So we do have a website, uh, www.duz.org.zw. There are constitutions on there, our ideologies on there. And so it's, uh, very soon we'll be having our um, national launch and we'll be also presenting our, our economic manifesto. Okay. And people can take a look at that as well. Um, uh, all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, uh, we're on there as well with the party. And um, you can follow us there. I've done a lot of uh, interviews as well in country. Okay. Uh, there, So those are on YouTube as well. You find them on YouTube and, and many other places. So just type in, you know, Robert Chapman. A lot of them will pop up and answer. Uh, I'm being interviewed by Zimbabweans, Zimbabwean journalists and, and Zimbabwean uh, media. So they're asking questions that pertain to Zimbabwe and it gives you a better picture of what we're sort of what we're up against okay. and what I've been sharing. Okay. But yeah, that's where we can be found. Terrific. Yeah. And I'm on Twitter, so feel free to uh, <laughs> come on there and, uh, and engage in conversation. But um, we're focused on the ground right now, making sure that we're increasing hope and that we're visible on the ground. So Excellent. yeah. Excellent. It's so good to see you. Thanks, man. Good to see you. So, so happy that, <laughs> so happy we made this happen. Okay. Uh, you got a flight to catch. I do. So we better wrap it up. Um, uh, until next time. Until next time. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. Thank you to everyone at home and on the go for listening. Podcasts tend to grow based on word of mouth. So if you want to help more people discover politicology, you can share this episode or one of your favorites with your friend group, your family, or your colleagues. If you have questions about anything we've talked about, you can reach us, as always, at podcast at politicology.com. And even when we can't respond, we do read everything you send us, whether it's an episode idea, a guest recommendation, or a simple note about how the show has impacted you. And we'd love to hear from you. I'm Ron Steslow. I'll see you in the next episode.